0: Today on Cash Chicago, depending on when you're listening to this, either you're waiting for the Supreme Court's decision on whether to strike down Roe v. Wade or you've read the decision and you're questioning the future of abortion rights. Here in Chicago, a new place scheduled to open this weekend expands our notion of abortion beyond just labels like pro-life or pro-choice. In The Billboard, playwright, author, and journalist Natalie Moore tells the story of a fictional women's clinic in Chicago's Englewood neighborhood. I spoke to Natalie about the play and the Chicago roots of the reproductive justice movement. It's Thursday, June 23rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. You set the play at a clinic in Inglewood. Can you place Inglewood for listeners, right? If this clinic is, you know, is real, can you describe where in Inglewood it'd be?
1: Um, It it would be around the 63rd Street corridor and Inglewood, you know, Southside neighborhood, almost all black, uh, a neighborhood with a lot of disinvestment and unemployment, but also a lot of black clubs. Uh, a lot of open land that begs to be developed and, you know, some some challenges with with violence and poverty.
0: Mm-hmm. Why was it so important for you to put it here? I feel like with this story, you could put it anywhere in Chicago. You could have put it anywhere in America. Why not only, you know, your city, but also in, in Englewood, There's this really important neighborhood for the community?
1: Yeah. You know, I, it, it really could have been placed in any south side neighborhood. <laughs> But as I was thinking about a city council race and thinking about the debates on how to develop the neighborhood, I thought that that was an ideal location because some of the play gets into who gets to speak for community. Mm -hmm. And the person who puts up the anti-abortion billboard targeting Black women is a Black man running for city council who's from Inglewood. And his incumbent is a black woman who's been in there for, for 20 years. So, you know, it gets into issues of stagnation house in, in politics, how government works. Um, and then the neighbors who feel left behind by politics.
0: I know the play is fiction, but it's very much based on real events, specifically a billboard. Can you tell us what billboard sparked this story for you?
1: There were actually two billboards that sparked it and uh, two billboards that are in the play. There's a a Black pro-life guy who has put up anti-abortion billboards targeting Black women in Black neighborhoods for over a decade. And one of those came to Chicago in 2011, and I covered it. And, you know, it, it stuck with me. But then the same person did a billboard in Dallas in 2018. But this time, a Black women's group, the Athea Center, put up their own billboard, and it affirmed that Black women have the right to make decisions for their families, and that abortion is self-care. And it had a picture of three Black women who looked joyful. And that billboard, for some, was more controversial than the abortion is genocide, you know, uh, targeting black women. And I thought that this would be a really good conflict to tease out. And because I'm in Chicago, and we want to up the drama. I said it in a city council race. I thought long and hard this past week about what my own message to him should be. Abortion rights should not be threatened. And not from no two bit race hustling hustler. This is bigger than my reelection. Mm-hmm. I go deep inside myself. Come up
0: with a way about how I mean the rhetoric that surrounds the abortion debate can get very uh let's say problematic. It can get very toxic. And I mean, so it's that first one that was linking, you know, abortion to genocide. So when you saw that, what was your initial thought?
1: The Chicago one didn't use genocide in that particular one, but it had a picture of Barack Obama on it. Okay. And it said every twenty one minutes a future leader is aborted. So that was a very strong statement. Mm -hmm. And like you said, genocide is a very strong statement. So a lot of black women seeing these these billboards, it feels like an unnecessary attack.
0: And and when you saw the billboard in 18, the one linking abortion to self-care, it was almost seen as more controversial than the first was, was that a shock to you? Or did you think, no, of course, when, when women try to assert how no, you
1: know, I was, I was shocked. I'm not going to okay. lie. Um, I was taken aback by it. I didn't write about it. I didn't go on Twitter and do screeds, but I had never seen abortion talked about as a form of self care. And I challenged myself to understand that perspective But it was, you know, in 2022, you know, four four years later, I don't think it's seen as as radical. And I think that was the whole point to normalize it. I was very surprised. And people who work in reproductive justice circles, Black women said that, yes, they knew it would be that kind of reaction. But it, it appeared that most people thought that that was the right message, but was it the right timing?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, 2018, like the self-care movement, the, the self-care philosophy is everywhere. It's it's being sold to us in books and music. I mean, to the, to this day, it's it's something that's happening. So to link this sort of uh, kind of cu- this cultural term that was having a moment with a term like abortion, which is, you know, constantly up for debate, constantly being trying to people are trying to normalize it in our lexicon. It seemed like this this moment of opportunity to, to create maybe controversy or tension to to bring more people into the conversation.
1: That's a really good point because the play challenges what is self-care and self-care is a marketing thing. And self-care does seem to lean more on the, let me go to the spa. Let me get my nails done. All that stuff is cool. And I like getting that stuff done. I like a good facial, but is that really self-care?
0: The billboard is in a black neighborhood. It features black characters, you know, and you talk a lot about reproductive justice. What exactly is reproductive justice? And and is it just the fight to protect abortion care and abortion access?
1: Reproductive rights is about the legal framework of abortion. Reproductive justice is a movement that was started by black women here in Chicago back in 1994. And that deals it, it looks at abortion as just one tenet of healthcare and there are four pillars, the right to have a child, the right not to have a child, the right to parent with the support that you need in the way that you want to raise a child. And then the fourth one is the right to sexual pleasure and body autonomy.
0: At what time was that movement founded, you know, and and what was happening when, when they came together?
1: That group of about 12 black women were at a, pro-choice conference in downtown Chicago. And a lot was being discussed about the Clinton health care bill. And these women felt like there was just the, the voices of Black women missing and that the focus on abortion was too much about the individual rights. And so as Black people tend to do at conferences, they find each other and they start caucusing. <laughs> and that's what they did in a hotel room. They started picking out ads in the Washington Post. Um, another newspaper. And, you know, one of the four mothers is uh, Dr. Tony Bond, who never who doesn't live in Chicago anymore. But her archives are at the Vivian G. Harsh collection at the Carter G. Woodson Library.
0: We both know that black women are three times more likely to die to a pregnancy related cause. They are not listened to by doctors. How are the conversations around abortion rights different in you know, circles of black women than than circles of white women.
1: A lot of the rhetoric around abortion has been "my body, my choice," and of course, we are talking about bodies and choice, but it makes it individualistic rather than collective. And what if you don't have access to health care, access to birth control, access to diabetes, you know, primary care. So, you know, it it looks at access much more broadly than just the my body, my choice.
0: What do people need to understand about how repealing Roe v. Wade will affect abortion for for black and brown women in particular?
1: Well, it's not going to stop people from having abortions and it will go back to the days of Illegal abortions with people who may not have the tools. It will go back to people having self-induced abortions. There could be surveillance, you know, uh, prior to to Roe. Um, you know, there there were raids where you know people would try to find midwives who are performing abortions and arresting women and coercing them into having gynecological exams. So there are historians who are saying, you know, this could happen again if Roe was overturned.
0: what What is it like to now be at this moment where you are both celebrating the the you know opening of your play, but also the kind of worst nightmare is coming to pass at the same time.
1: So when we talked back in, in March, and I said this could be overturned, the Samuel Alito leak had not happened. And so the, that justice is uh, apparently writing the majority opinion. And there's a lot that's in there. Um, but I, I would say that one of his arguments is that abortion is not a right protected in the Constitution. There are a lot of things that aren't protected in the Constitution, including marriage, whether it's interracial same
0: sex, or same sex. Or yeah. Opposite,
1: interracial. So what does that open up
0: Natalie, How much worse is this going to get?
1: I don't know. Um, and that's a. A good question. And I think. People who are in any sort of human rights work are probably thinking about what protections they can get passed now to prevent things from spiraling. Um, you know, There's an argument that some sort of law should have been passed by Congress to mitigate where we are now. Um, but as someone once told me, it's hard to get people to fight for rights that they think they already have. So I don't know what next phase we are moving in because you have a Supreme Court that is about to it appears take away rights rather than give them and also not to be aligned with how um, the majority of americans feel about abortion
0: well natalie i appreciate you making time natalie moore is an author journalist and playwright uh, and one of our good friends at City Cash chicago i appreciate you and soak up that sun my g thank you The billboard runs through July 17th at Abbott Hall in the Loop. You can grab tickets at a link in the show notes. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. City Council approved a requirement that non-air-conditioned buildings with over 100 units and those with residents over the age of 55 must cool and dehumidify all indoor common areas. This could go into effect as early as July 1st. I don't know if you got the word, but Asian carp will now officially be known as Kopi The name change is part of the state's effort to slow the spread of the invasive species by basically encouraging people to eat the fish. Shout out to Candace Parker, who's been named an all-star starter. The all-star game comes to Chicago July 10th. In the meantime, in between time, the Sky are back in action tonight against Parker's old team, the L.A. Sparks. And some good news to get you through i know everybody's got their summer shot to-do list but our newsletter writer sydney madden has put together one hell of a visitor's guide even if you from here or you here all year round check out the list is there sure to be some gems for you you can see it at chicago.citycast.fm slash newsletter and if you got some ideas for the list reach out to us at 773-780-0246 leave your name your neighborhood and your summer shot bucket list As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'm going to talk to y'all tomorrow. Peace. She got the vacation braids in.
1: I do. I do. (laughs)